0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Gail Carriger. She's the author of Soulless. Thank you for joining me, Gail.
1: Thank you for having me,
0: Gail. You're three books into the series now.
1: Yes, I am, and I've just handed in the fourth one, and I'm almost done with the fifth. Wow! Talk
0: about uh, having created a world—you get to go out and explore it. Tell us uh, what it's like to explore a world that you have created.
1: It's the best time in the in the in the world, or if I can put it that way, in my world. It's, uh, it's endlessly entertaining because you are the goddess of your universe and you can make anything happen so long as you explain it away properly.
0: Well, I, I, that uh, explaining it away and making any, every, anything happen is, can be a problem when you have too much choice. So I'd like you to talk about how you limit your choices and kind of give us a, a map of where you started and an idea of what you thought you were, where you thought you were going to go and where you're ending up going.
1: Well, I think you have to play by your rules, and so it's really important to set those rules into place. So um, that can get a little dangerous, but one of my rules for my world was that there was no magic, so I could never use magic as an out. Everything had to play by the scientific rules of the day. So in other words, I took Victorian science and I made it real as it was at the time period. So the ether sphere that they believed in really existed, and the way they understood medical science was the way that people really did get sick. And then I could play within the rules that they had sort of set up at that time period. And um, so long as I stayed within those constraints, then my my universe has integrity.
0: Well, uh, talk about researching the rules of the Victorian period. It's so interesting. I just talked with a woman who spent a lot of time studying alchemy.
1: Yeah, it's really, really fun. It's it's actually my favorite part. I'll get derailed by research for hours and hours and hours, but uh, I use a lot of primary sources. So I have a great book um, that is a handbook on Victorian medical science for ladies of the house so it has home remedies in it but it also has ways to talk to your husband about you know incidents behind closed doors and things like that Um, and it has a really nice sort of tone so you get that tone of the day but also a good idea of the language they were using and how much they understood about the workings of the human body and things like that and so i'll use that um, a lot of primary. I love Baedeker's. Um, Karl Baedeker was the f- sort of first travel writer of the time, and he wrote these guides to foreign cities for um, the European traveler, and they're fantastic. So I use those all the time. They have maps of the way cities looked at the time, what kind of shops that were available, those sorts of things.
0: that sounds like a lot of fun. Now, though you're working within the Victorian world and the Victorian science, I don't recall too many Victorian reports of zombies (laughs) (laughs) and vampires and werewolves. So I'd like you to talk about uh, setting up your supernatural creatures and uh, tell us where, you know, the thrill of creating your first supernatural creature. And are you going to go further than you've gone so far in your books?
1: Well, I took the um, Victorian idea of those creatures, so I took the Victorian werewolf, and I took the Victorian vampire, and I took the Victorian ghost, and I made those creatures um, actually inhabit the world. And then I took the science and the scientists that I'd already invented, and I made them kind of try and understand why the supernatural exists and try and dissect it and figure it out because that's the way the victorians behaved whenever they encountered something new and different they wanted to kill it and cut it open or sometimes cut it open when it was still alive Um, so i just took my supernatural creatures and i put them in but i also again i wanted to explain them scientifically and i wanted to make them an integral part of that world so they aren't magical they're supernatural in the original idea of the word which is sort of above the normal a little um, rather than you know magical creatures of any kind and so I've sort of I've had to stick to really sort of given the science I invented just those three ghosts werewolves and vampires for this area but I think um, you may find in future works that uh there are vampires and werewolves and ghosts in other parts of the world but they have evolved differently and so they do and act in different ways
0: it must be fun creating the characters that you that you populate this world with because you have such a, a great verve for your dialogue so i'd like you to talk about creating the dialogue and, and I, i'm curious do you uh you, do the characters come out of the dialogue or is it the other way around
1: I have the characters in mind most of the time. Like I know them. I can see them in my head. I know the way they look. I know the way they talk. So most of the time, I just put two of them on stage in my head, really, and see what happens. And sometimes they'll surprise me. Sometimes I have a good idea. Certain information needs to be relayed. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, particularly with certain characters who shall remain nameless, um, the scene will just get out of my control. And I will let them do it because I think they're having fun. I can always edit it later. Um and I think if you know your characters well enough, I do things like character design boards which are just sort of images that remind me of the characters, that remind me what they look like. And, um, but also, like I have a, a piece of amber that I always, for my hero, it's one of sort of the iconic things that I keep in mind when he's around is looking at this piece of amber. And I think if you invest yourself enough in your characters that they will just do the, the talking for you because they know their own minds. <laughs>
0: you've got characters, you've got critters, and you've got a world, I'd like you to talk about creating the plot arcs for each book and the overall plot arc for the series, which is got to be kind of dicey because you don't necessarily know uh, when the plug's going to be pulled.
1: Yeah, well in this particular series, uh, it was really kind of up in the air for a long time because I wrote the original book as sort of a standalone, um, and then when I was selling it, they wanted two books in the contract, so I knew that there was going to be a second one, and then the second one ended up um, sort of leaving itself open for another book. So they bought a third one for me, and by that time we kind of had a good idea that people, people, people liked the series. And so I knew I would be writing more books, but I wanted to have a sort of ending in sight. So there are only going to be two more books, and that, and that was my choice. Because I, I really, I myself, I'm not a fan of long-running series. I, I, just, I feel like I don't have the time to commit to books that go past, you know, 12 books in a row. So I didn't want to um, make this one of those series that just kept going.
0: Now, uh, it might, these series don't create themselves in a, in a day, so I'm guessing you must be already thinking of your next series. And talk about designing one world, writing another. Uh, do they, is there some crossover?
1: I'm actually going to continue to play in this world. I love the universe and this period of history, but I'm really excited to try and explore what it was like before, given the constraints that I've put in place and what it's like after the events that occur in these books. So you'll probably see some short stories or even another series or two or some standalone books that explore what happens before and after, kind of in the um, Mercedes Lackey sort of vein of exploring a world that's been created.
0: Now, I, I'm wondering if you're going to work with or create any kind of ancillary kind of materials. I'm thinking of graphic novels, uh, games. Uh, this universe seems ideally uh, created for any of those uh, venues.
1: Actually, there is a graphic novel that's going to be coming out uh, probably next year. And I ha- it's a... Um, It's going to be a manga so it has a sort of Japanese stylistic look which I actually happen to be a big fan of the manga um, style so I'm really excited about it and they've involved me in the process so I've got to look at all of the art and the character sketches and that kind of thing. So um, that was definitely coming out but I could see more play in the world and i wish that i had time to do things like set up some more interactive fun on the internet i always wanted to do a wiki of all the different gadgets and things like that but sadly or not so sadly i'm stuck writing most of the time these days um so we'll see what happens but i would love to see that kind of thing yeah.
0: well i'm wondering um how how much uh influence would you want to have if somebody approached you and said we want to do a game based on that? How, how would you see your participation in such a venture? A- and also, is the manga based on one of the original stories?
1: The manga is going to follow the books pretty exactly, as I understand it. I haven't seen the script yet, I've only seen some of the initial artwork. Um, So in other words, they bought the graphic rights to each book specifically, so I think it will pretty much shadow each book, which um, is very exciting. They might have to cut some out, which I I entirely understand. as So far as a game is concerned or something sort of more interactive, it kind of depends on what, what avenue it's take. Like, I know there are a couple of LARPs out there that are already going on that are set in my world. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, if it's a fan-based thing, I think they should have as much fun as they like. It always gets me into trouble if there's sort of a copyright infringement or trademark going on or something like that. So, um, that is where I would have to be involved. But I'm really happy with the way that the manga and I have built a relationship. And, you know, they involve me. You know, I get a ping from them once a week or so that says, you know, how's this character look? And usually I'm pretty easygoing. <laughs> so um, hopefully any other projects will be kind of like that. Like So that's kind of the level of involvement I like. I think artists should be given a, a certain amount of leeway, even with a universe that I've created, But, um, you know, I don't want it to be ruined in any way.
0: I've been speaking with Gail Carragher. She's the author of Soulless. Thank you for joining me, Gail.
1: Thank you so much for having me.